0: It's The Principle with Pastor Mac, where we learn the heart of God through the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I am your host, Pastor Mac. Join me as we dive into the passages of Scripture and find out how principles from God's Word give us the power to overcome the problems of life. Hello, everyone. So glad you're here with me today. Uh, the start of another week for me and I am so excited to be with you. Uh, hope you had a great time in your church service yesterday. I know we did. had a fantastic time of praise and worship and honoring the Lord and uh, and the Lord was with us. we felt his presence in a special way and and Lord it was just a great day. and I hope yours was as well. Uh, and so glad that you're with me. It's an honor to do what I do here. Um, it's something that I've come to look forward to and, and thoroughly enjoy. And I hope you enjoy it as well. If you do, uh, if you can, like I said, I don't know how all this works. Uh, I just do this podcast and then hopefully the rest of it works out, but like follow, subscribe, tell your friends, I don't know, rent a billboard. I don't care, whatever, do something. But, uh, uh and if you could email me at pastormack 71 that's P A S T O R M A C K 71 at gmail.com. And let me know, let me know what you think. Uh, send me quotes. Uh, tell me if I'm doing okay by you or if I'm not. Uh, because if I'm not, I definitely want to change. I don't want to waste your time or mine. Um, but I am just, again, I'm honored to do what I do, and and so glad that you joined me. So I made a comment last week that, that I was going to dig into the three types of sin um, this week, and so I want to I want to get started. I seriously seriously doubt I'll finish today; probably go into next week. But I, I want to present this because I think it can clarify some things as far as some of the verses in the Bible that maybe you've read and. Maybe you've just kind of read over and not sure if it makes sense or not. But so I'm going to start with uh, a Psalm, Psalm 51. It's one that David wrote after he had been caught. Let me let me rephrase it. Not caught, exposed by the prophet Nathan with his uh, about his sin with Bathsheba. And verse one says, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Here we go. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 5 For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Uh, That was verse 3, excuse me. Verse 5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. So you see here, And I could go on, but you see here, you see three, um, let's think of the word infractions, three infractions that are mentioned here, Uh, sin, iniquity, and transgression. So that's the three types of sin that are in a person's life. Now, I want to take some time and kind of give some definitions here and and hopefully as we dig into this and show you some things from scripture that again, hopefully you can you can see and start connecting the dots. And then I will hopefully if I get to it today, it may not be till next week. How how the Lord at the cross took care of all three types. So again, Psalm 51 and 1 at the end of it, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. So, sin, iniquity, transgression. Let's let's take those in that order. Sin. The word sin. Let, let's give it a new def, New Testament definition. Um, in the Greek, is the word hamartia. It means to miss the mark. It's the idea of an archer when he is aiming for a bullseye or a target, and there's a bullseye. And the goal is the bullseye. Anytime the archer shoots the arrow and misses the bullseye, that's an Hamartia. It's a missing of the mark. Now, it doesn't matter if they miss it by an inch, a foot, or a mile, they miss the mark. And so, in order to miss the mark, you first have to take the shot. I know that sounds simple, but just Bear with me. So in order to miss the mark, you first have to take the shot. So this idea of sin in these three types of infractions against God, sin is associated with something that you do. It is associated with an action taken. Again, get the idea of missing the mark. The arrow has to at least be shot in order for the mark to be missed. And again, see, this is where we get humans want to try to separate sins and that one is worse than the other. And yes, there are some sins that are worse in the consequences to another person. If I lie to someone, I haven't injured that person to the extent as if I killed them. So yes, there are some sins that are worse in the extent or or in the um, per, from the perception or from the idea that the harm, the injury that is done, can be more felt or can be greater. But that depends on the sense that it's done. I have had situations in my life where it probably would have been better had someone physically harmed me, or it'd been easier had someone physically harmed me than in something they said or in a way that they acted. So, again, you, you know, we're we have to remember we we look at this from a human perspective, we've got to look at sin from a God perspective. The goal, according to the scripture, is perfect holiness and perfection. For Jesus, or for the Lord said in in Exodus and said it in, in Deuteronomy, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then in the New Testament, Be ye perfect, for I am perfect. So the goal is perfection and holiness. And if that's the bullseye that we're aiming for, the target that we're aiming for, if we miss it, it doesn't matter again if we miss it by an inch or by a mile, we've missed it. And so that is sin in our lives. And looking at it from God's perspective, now again, we try to look at it from our perspective. If I miss it by an inch or by a foot, we want to try to somehow grade and look, say, I'm doing, I'm better than that. And um, we somehow want to. Judge that, uh, and God looks at it and says, "You missed." Plain and simple. And so that is sin; it is to miss the mark. So it has to do with, with an action. Well, iniquity. The definition of iniquity in the in the original language is perversity. So it has to do with the way you think, not with something that you do. So it has to do with uh, your thoughts, your motivations, your thinking life, uh, you know, those kind of things. And you may have iniquity and never, never actually act on it, never commit to sin. And you may think you're okay because of that, but I'm going to show you in the scripture that you're not. For the iniquity is just as bad. And then you come to transgression transgression is an interesting word it literally is the breaking of the law and that's all it means the breaking of the law and so we're going to look at that and how that equates to transgression how it equates to those who know christ and those who don't because it is different for the child of god the idea of transgression so today i want to look at i want to look at iniquity i want to look at it first the reason I want to look at it first is because every action begins with a thought. It always starts with your thoughts. Uh, In fact, if you look at the script, the very famous passage of scripture about um, tearing down of strongholds, uh, the scripture says that we we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and, you know, rulers of the darkness, the world, and those kind of things. That's in Ephesians. But then you go back to Corinthians and it talks about, um, we fight against. Uh, we we take every thought to captivity, that we bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ, uh, casting down imaginations and all the, and all that it's talked about. Every action, every sin, everything that we do, it always begins with a thought. Every sin starts in the mind. Every fact, every sin is a sin of the mind before it becomes a sin of the body. So it all starts in the mind. So we look at this and we see. Uh, Blot out my transgressions, again, Psalm 51. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Notice the three different actions. So let's look at this iniquity. Let's look at this washing of the iniquity and what that means. So I, I want to go back to a few verses. Like if uh, give you an example. Exodus 20, before the Ten Commandments are given, or excuse me, part of the Ten, Ten Commandments. And I use the New King James, by the way, just in case you're wondering if mine reads a little different from yours. Uh, verse 4 of Exodus 20. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water. You shall not bow down to them, for I am the jealous, for I am the Lord am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those that hate me. Notice. And, I, you know, King James says the same word, iniquity. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Notice it doesn't say the sins. It says the iniquity. And I think that that is, I think that is vitally important. You look at iniquity. Why does he say iniquity? So you look at iniquity. Iniquity is the sin of the mind. It's, it's the way you're thinking. It's the way the thoughts come across your mind. It's the way you think about a group of people, um, something in your life, your job, your spouse, your kids, those kind of things. And, and the evidence shows that what the Lord said right here absolutely is true. The evidence shows that that children of addicts often become addicts. So it doesn't have to be, uh, they do break it down to say that children of alcoholics tend to become alcoholics. Uh, But if you, if you back up just a little bit and look at the deeper issue, uh, someone who's an alcoholic, the alcoholism is just a symptom symptom of a deeper issue. The deeper issue is that they're an addict. They have an addiction in their life that they feel like that they have to have a substance in order to be able to function and that children of addicts. So whether that's alcohol, some type of drug, uh, you know, cocaine or painkillers or whatever it may be. Um, if you want to get really, really technical, you could even say caffeine. But the children of addicts tend to be addicts. And, and the question is, why is that? Because those children grow up seeing their parents living life in such a way that they feel like that their mindset, let me rephrase it that way, that their mindset is they can't function, they can't live life without the help of of some type of a substance to help them through. And if they see that and they grow up around it, then they begin to normalize the idea that they can't function without the help of substances. So whether, again, whether it's alcohol or cocaine or a painkiller or caffeine or whatever it may be, and I'm again, I'm not throwing coffee under the bus, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, we make a joke about it. We make jokes about the fact that we can't function with our, without our caffeine. Well, what kind of message are we trying to send? Is is our thinking pattern that I truly can't make it without a cup of coffee? And if that's the case, then what kind of thinking are we passing down to our children? The same goes with abusers. When, when you have, I have three daughters. And if I were, I've never, I've never and ever struck my wife ever. Um, that the whole idea of striking my wife is anathema to me, right? It's, it's a curse. Um, but daughters of, 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 of daughters of fathers that are abusive, abusive husbands, they, they grow up with the mindset. That and if the wife is, allows it, and if it, if it is allowed in the home, they grow up with a mindset that being abused is is acceptable. If it's the son of a of a husband that is an abuser, then they grow up thinking that when their wife, when they get get older and get married, when their wife comes in their into their life, and and. Uh, it doesn't go their way. The wife will disagree, and and husbands and wives—that's one of the things that that you can count on. They do is they disagree. But when when the husband can't convince or win his argument by logic or or sound reasoning or whatever it may be, that when it doesn't go his way, then what he will do is he will then take it to the level that his dad used to take it and force the wind, so to speak, upon the wife through abuse and thinks that 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 is okay because he saw it growing up. And so the mindset is, is passed down from one generation to another. Not the sin, it's the mindset. Because remember, every sin starts as a sin of the mind before it becomes a sin of the body. It starts with the sin of the mind. And and so the thinking is is that that this person, this individual, in order for me to have my way, I can't I can't lead them or I can't deal with them in such a way that is rational or logical or all that, that I've got I've got to win and I've got to win come hell or high water, I'm going to win my way, or it's the highway, I'm going to force my opinion, or I'm going to force my will upon them. Because when I am at a loss for words, then my fist is a, an allowable substitute, if that makes sense. And so the idea of iniquity, the, this idea that the thinking pattern, the thinking pattern of the fathers, the thinking pattern, of, and I, and one of these days I'll get into why the father and not the mother, um, but the thinking pattern, the iniquity of the fathers gets visited down to the third and fourth generation, and, and studies prove this out, that again, abusers tend to breed, if that's the best word, abusers, which tend to then breed abusers. And so the the iniquity, not the sin, because sometimes the, uh, the sin becomes different. The child of a, of a cocaine addict might end up being an alcoholic. The child of an alcoholic might end up being addicted to pain pills. And so the sin may vary, but the mindset is still there. So child, children of addicts tend to be addicts. Children of abusers uh, um, tend to become abusers. Not always. So you see this in Exodus chapter 20, that he visits the iniquity of the fathers unto the children of the third and fourth generations, not the sin. Now let me give you another verse when it comes to iniquities. Um, this one's in the New Testament, just in case you're wondering. Um, and this is a verse that you'll often hear. It's in Matthew chapter 7, and it's, it's the passage of Scripture that talks about, uh, Lord, in your name, didn't we heal the sick and cast out demons and all that. Hold on. I'm flipping to it. Um, Lord, in your name, didn't we, here we go. Uh, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Uh, Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Now, so here again, we've got to we've got to look at this. So they were doing all the right things, right? Healing the sick, casting out demons, miracles in his name, all that kind of stuff. Um, and if we were to look at them from a human perspective, we would look at what they were doing and go, they're doing everything right. You know they're preaching the gospel. they' they are uh, they're having a fruitful ministry. They're casting out demons. I mean, does it get any bigger and better than that? So we look at it from a human perspective and and they and they think they can ride on that, these people, they think they can ride on that right in on through the pearly gates into heaven. And the Lord says, no, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. Uh, Let me let me put that in kind of today's terms. It's not you, workers of iniquity. You that work with iniquity. You that work with a perverse mindset. So the idea is that they are doing the right things, but they're doing it for the wrong motives, and they're and they're doing it with the wrong mind, mind and wrong frame of mind. They're doing it to. You know, when you're in the ministry, you start to learn about other ministers and hear about other ministries and those kind of things. And you start hearing about the guys that are doing it for the wrong reasons or they're doing it because they can't find another job or they're doing it for, um, you know, they're doing it for the notoriety or to get the name, those kind of things. And yet they may still be doing the right things, but it's the motivations and it's the, the, uh, what they're trying to do behind or the reason behind it. Uh, Again, I, I, I've known some, pastors over the years that they literally I, I, just by being around them, you hear their pastors because they couldn't do anything else. Well, that's just wrong. Uh, if, if, cause I'm going to tell you, if you, if you're looking for an easy job, the ministry is not it. That's for sure. Uh, you know, but the, so they, they were doing the right things, but doing it with the wrong motivations, doing it with the wrong frame of mind. They were doing it for selfish reasons. Paul talks about these guys, right, that while he was in prison, there were those that were out there preaching. They were doing it to get their own notoriety. They were doing it to rub it in Paul's face. They were doing it against him. And so you got these guys that are doing the right things, but doing it for the wrong motives. This is why it's vital for us to reserve judgment for folks or own folks um, because god it's only God that sees the heart. But they're doing the right things. But God says, "Depart from me. I never knew you, because you work with iniquity, because you've got the wrong frame of mind, because your thinking is not correct, because your your uh, heart is not right." And so God sees the heart. That's what He told. Sa- that's what He told Samuel when Samuel wanted to anoint the sons of. Uh, of Jesse. And, and he came to the first son of Jesse and said, surely this gotta be the future King. And God said, uh, God told Samuel, don't anoint him for you're looking judge man judges on the outside, but I judge by the heart. And then it gets all the way down to a little bitty ruddy David. And God says, this is my guy anoint him. Um, so God looks at the heart and this is another passage of scripture where Jesus says, uh, in fact, I've got it right here. If you go, uh, you have heard it said, this is Matthew chapter 5. You've heard it said that uh, of old you shall not murder, but whoever uh, uh, whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say it unto you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall, uh, shall be in danger of the judgment. And then he goes on to say, you've heard it said of old, don't commit adultery. But I say, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery. And so the Lord goes in further, not just the acts, but the heart. And so we've got to understand that there are sins that we can that we can do that, that that can be in our lives, infractions against God, against his holiness and perfection that he calls us to, that can be in our lives without us actually hands-on doing something. If I hate, if I hate. And according to, and and I'm going to go through Matthew chapter 5 one of these days. If I hate without a cause, I've done the same as murder. If I lust after a woman without ever touching her, I've done the same as committing adultery. And it's God alone who sees that. I think that's one of the reasons that David said in Psalm 51 that it's against you and you only have I sinned it, oh God. Here's a guy that committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed and says, God, you're the only one I sinned against. Um, I think most people would take issue with that. <laughs> but ultimately, he is the only one we sin against. Because I can't sin, I can't sin against someone. I can't sin against another woman just by having wrong thoughts about her. But I absolutely sin against God when I had the wrong thought about a woman. I may have somebody in my life that I treat just fine. But if I'm harboring hatred against them, then I'm still sinning and I'm sinning against the Lord. And so we need to understand that just because we don't actually commit a sin as far as what we think in in the actual doing of sin doesn't mean we've gotten away scot-free because iniquity is still is still sin. Iniquity is still wrong even if I and 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 the bad part about it is that what's so dangerous about iniquity is that it's a sin that we, that no one else may ever see. And we think because we keep it hidden from the world that we're okay. Well, I want to tell you, uh, in fact, let me give you one other verse, and then I want to, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Doesn't say if I go out and murder someone, the Lord will not hear me. Doesn't say if I go out and commit adultery, the Lord will not hear me. What it says is if I regard iniquity in my heart. The word "regard" means to hold up. um, To uh, almost uh, uh, in our language, the better word would almost be respect. If I hold it up on a pedestal, if I, if I have, uh, if 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 I could justify my longings for another woman because of the way my wife treats me. I'm regarding my iniquity. I'm holding it up saying I'm justified in feeling that way. If my hatred, if I have hatred toward a fellow man and I can justify it somehow, well, you don't know what they said or you don't know what they did. Um, I'm regarding iniquity in my heart. I may never treat that person wrong or ill. But if I'm regarding iniquity in my heart, if I'm if I'm holding it up saying I'm somehow justified in the way that they treated me, I'm somehow or in the way I feel about them because of how they treated me, or because of what they said, or because of what they, if I'm somehow j- feel justified in that, if I regard that in my heart, then the Lord will not hear me. So Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, uh, that can get pretty intense. That can get very convicting, (laughs) if I'm just going to be honest. It can be very convicting to all of us. Because I think for the child of God, this is where the real problem, the real rub is, is that there's iniquity in our heart. So why is iniquity so bad? Here's the two reasons: one, because it is sin; it is wrong. Two, because if it's a sin that nobody else sees, we often think we can get away with it. But what is an? In, in fact, in fact, I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to do a. I'll do a in a couple two or three weeks here. I'll do a a, ca- a podcast on an episode on how the cross takes care of all this. But do understand that the cross does take care of all this. But listen to me, child of God. Listen to me, first-time listener. Maybe you're not a child of God. Maybe you look at your life and you say, hey, I've done nothing wrong. I've not done anything. doesn't matter if you've done anything. It really doesn't, not in the eyes of God. Now, It might in the eyes of man. Because even though I may, in the eyes, according to the law, I may want to kill someone, but if I don't, then I've not done anything wrong. In the eyes of God, I've still done the murder. So we, we need to check our hearts and check our minds. And if we have in our hearts something that is not righteous, not godly, thoughts that are not pleasing to the Lord, then take them to the cross. Confess them to God, and then repent of them. Which means, repent means to rethink, by the way, but I'll get into that later. And see God begin to wash you, like David said. Love you. We'll see you next week. Bye.